here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. Um, before we get going, I just want to say that the Ghana platform is really ripping. Um, I mentioned this a couple of months ago that we had gotten on the Ghana platform. It's kind of like the Spotify, um, what Spotify is to the U.S., even though it's a Swedish company, um, and worldwide domination, Ghana is to India. I think it's a number one streaming platform in all of India uh, to, like, I think it's 150 million listeners, or maybe it's more than that. But people have been really supporting this show in India so thank you, my Indian brothers and sisters, for supporting the Dharmic Evolution. And if you have any rising Dharmic stars over there and you would like to have somebody be a guest, please have them reach out to James at dharmicevolution.com. And I will be happy to listen to your content, your music, and love to have you on the show. Also, go over to dharmicevolution.com if you want to sign up on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the others we have listed there. Please do so. So this way, the show comes right to your phone every single Friday morning. We love to just blow you away with our wonderful uh, curbside pickup. It, we're COVID-free. Uh, there's a no contact. You just open your phone and there's the Dharmic Evolution right on your phone. And today we're going out to Los Angeles and we're going to visit with this wonderful artist. Um, was so happy to listen to this lady's music and she's an overachiever and she is, it's hard to describe this young lady because she's so many things <laughs> to so many people. Uh, she's an educator, uh, she's a teacher, she's a singer-songwriter and she's a student all at the same time and uh, talk about you know having setting the bar really really high that's what this lady does and uh, so happy to visit her she's originally from Missouri and her newest released heart render comes from a place of vulnerability and awakening that can only be sparked through transition pitfalls and personal upheaval the resulting is a collection of songs that navigate changing worlds and the strength that comes from the search for self. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today from the Music City all the way out to Los Angeles, California, and we're gonna visit with singer-songwriter Isabel Stillman. Isabel, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here today, and uh, very excited that we got everything together and uh, I've become a fan of yours for over a month now, and I'll tell you what got to me is um, Maria introduced us, who I guess she's your PR person, is that mm -hmm. correct? Okay, so she um, hooked me up with who you are, and I immediately went and listened to you on Spotify and heard Grocery Store, and I mm. said, this song just kills. You are a poet, young lady. <laughs> Let's, so, Thank I mean, you. I love poetry and music it's such an important um you know component to me like it's so it's it's like it's as important as the music i feel and when i heard the your phrasing and your imagination your imaginative lyrics and the way you told the story 
Um, and, you know, it's just an everyday thing, like, you know, what's going on in the grocery store? And, uh, you know, it's just one of these simple little slice of life things that people just like, they don't think about, but you thought deeply about it. And, you know, thank you for bringing that to uh, to the attention of uh, everybody. So, you know, it's a well, delight. Thank to you have for you. listening to it that closely. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, that. it's very cool. It just jumped out at me. I mean, I do this. You know, obviously, I listen to a lot of artists, but um, mm. when I hear something really unique and something so deep and so special, I, it's like you know, it's like it just grabs me. Like, wait, whatever I'm doing, I stop and I gotta take take a listen to it. So <laughs> you're in sunny L.A. right now, and um, yes, you grew up. Remind me where you grew up, because I read a lot about you this morning. Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I've lived a few places since then. I went to school in Vermont, and then I was in school in Boston, and then I lived in Denver, and now I've been in L.A. for mm, six months now. So I'm sort of a, a nomad, but I'm that's, from Missouri, and that's where I identify as home. That's a transition, though, huh? I mean, from... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ending up in L.A. from all the other places you lived were so different, like socially, especially. Uh, well, socially doesn't matter anymore in the last, like, what, 12 months? <laughs> it's like right. there is no social life, really, or very, very uh, limited. But mm -hmm. was it, like, shocking for you when you landed in L.A. and said, wow, this is, like, a r really different thing? Or, or is it, was it, like, um, something you welcomed with open arms? Yeah, I think it's been a really interesting experience. And, and of course, a lot of it is influenced by the fact that I moved here during the lockdown. Um, but it's so different from any other place I've lived. It's it's easily the biggest city. And um, it's a really a creative city. I think the like personality that I can perceive of the city from like inside my four walls, but also having visited before. Um, it's just like a lot of unique stuff going on. People have passion projects. People have like things that they're obsessed with and they want to spend all their time doing. And I think that's such a cool personality trait of a place. It's almost like um, the personality is that there are a lot of different personalities. So I'm, I'm like, I'm drawn to that and I'm curious to learn more about it. And I'm excited to like, yeah, get into that, into the fray of what is Los Angeles. Yeah, and you're you're a, a teacher, and you teach tenth grade. Um, so, is it? Are you teaching specific like subjects, um, or like what's your what's your jam? What do you teach the kids in tenth grade? Yeah, my jam is English. So I'm like trained as a high school English teacher, certified as a high school English teacher, and. Um, I taught in Denver for a couple of years before I spent a year on tour, and now I'm back in the classroom in a high school that's in Santa Monica, which right now is like the high school that's via Zoom in my office. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my like real job or something, yeah. um, which I air quote because that's a social construct. But yeah, I'm I'm a high school English teacher. Well, it's trade. no surprise. Yeah, um, listening to your lyrics, I said you know. Uh, there's something um, genuine here that uh, I really like. So, so tell me about the transition from teaching live, you know, physically present with a bunch of 10th graders to doing it on, you know, on Zoom or whatever platform you guys are doing it right. on. How was that transition and, and what is it, 
what is it teaching you, if anything? I mean, good, bad, indifferent. Yeah. Like, how is the whole thing going? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a good question. I think everyone's sort of still figuring out what this transition means. Yeah. Um, so I was in the classroom until the spring of 2019, actually. And then 2019 until fall of 2020, I was playing music theoretically. And right in March of 2020, I was in lockdown and playing virtual concerts and, and finishing up my album, which is now out. But um, so I wasn't, I haven't been a teacher for a year. And now I'm in a brand new school in a brand new city on Zoom. So it's a lot of transition. And I think, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that it's teaching me is um, the reason that I like got back into teaching or one of the reasons was because I missed having a community. I spent a year on the road. I spent a year um, like traveling and, and not having, I mean, I had friends in Colorado and I had family and I definitely realized how big my broader community was, but um, I felt that loss of connection to my home, to Denver, um, without having a school to go to every day and a, and a group of people that I knew really well. So that was part of my um, desire to go back into the classroom is to have that community. And now it's really hard to get. It's really hard to have, to feel like you're part of something when um, everything's on a computer. There's no, you can never pass somebody in the hall and like make a joke. You can never like, you can't really talk to a student one-on-one -on -one in your classroom, right? Like when they're working on something, you can't walk around and check in. It's like, it's just really like the humanity is really separate and it's hard to um, feel like you're involved in something. And so it's definitely tough and it's definitely reinforcing for me how important a school community is to like the health of a school and of its people. Yeah. Just human contact in general, not to have that, um, you know, there's that intimacy of of people reading each other's body language and listening totally. to each other's um, audio tones and it just mannerisms. Everything like you know, the human condition. Um, without that, it's almost like uh, I feel a little bit starved. You know, it's like totally. It's like, wait a minute, this is uh, this is just too bizarre. And and like I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do a blog about the phone call thing because, um, you know, millennials for a while were like. You know, there's been surveys done about phone calls or an interruption, and mm -hmm. I so go against the grain of things because we're 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 blinding ourselves and robbing ourselves of that human intimacy. And and a phone call can be a really really cool thing. And I I've, right. I've started to make a habit of you know usually calling people before a show and after a show just to just to have an icebreaker to begin with, and then a follow up. Just nothing long or. You know, I'm not selling anything or asking them for, right. for anything. I'm just, I just want to open a loop and not close a loop, but keep it open and just say, you know, is there anything I could have done different and, you know, learn from it? So um, I think missing that interaction of, you know, having right. just camaraderie is, is something, um, you know, I, I miss that a lot. And I think a lot of people do. They just don't know it. We've gotten so conditioned to texting. And yeah, it's convenient, but totally. it's not the real thing. I think it's time, Isabel, to play Damage. What do you think? I'm down. Go for it. <laughs> 
go too far Wouldn't be responsible Couldn't run the risk of something real What a shame, how logical Let's talk about the production a little bit um, on this record, um, which is called Heartrender, correct? Mm-hmm. And you went for a really um, pure, stripped down, I don't want to say rock and roll sound, but it's just like you didn't, you didn't overwhelm it with production and get carried away with synthesizers and, and so forth. Um, it's just really, really a truly um, stripped down record, which gets to like the meat of and the heart of the story. 
And was that done on purpose or did it just start, start to roll out that way when you started creating the record? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think, yeah, I think a lot of my, my work is, is lyric based. And so that's what I really want to be able to shine. I don't want to bury the lyrics in any of the production we're doing. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely a goal of mine in the production process. The other thing that was interesting about the production of this album was um, I work with a producer in Denver and I worked with him on my first album as well. His name is Darren Scanson. Um, and he, he was like the first person I ever made music with. So he's like a mentor and a friend and like a guiding light um, for me as a musician, like making music and also learning how to become an artist um, in like a public way or something. And so a lot of what I learned about music production and composition has been from him. Um, so he comes from like a rock and roll background and a classical guitar background. And so his way of approaching music is very, um, it's like classic and um, it's not a lot of electronic it's not a lot of extraneous. It's not a lot of like bells and whistles. It's very much like this is how you, this is classic. And so um, the first four songs on the album, I, I produced with him and I, and I worked on them in his studio in Denver. And yeah, I think that was the goal. It's like his musical tendencies or, or ear and my work being lyric driven, I think led to that sound. The last four songs, um b before coronavirus that we hadn't done any work on them so when the pandemic had and i couldn't go into the studio i like sort of was like am i gonna have to put this album indefinitely on pause and then i was like i don't really want to do that so i'm gonna figure out how to make these songs on my own and the last four are like me on garage band which i've never really done before like in my apartment in denver and then finish them up in my new place in LA. Um, and it was sort of cool is like Darren produced my whole first album and the second half of my second album. And then like, I took the skills that I learned from him to make that, um, or the first half of my second album. And then I took those skills to make the second half of it. Um, with those like sensibilities that he has. And like you mentioned, like the, the space around the lyrics, cause that really is, I think what drives my writing. So it's something to be really proud of. Um, I did my first full album on GarageBand. And, you know, if you do really good, clean files, it really doesn't, you know, it does matter, but it doesn't matter so much the platform. Right. It's really in the attention to detail on mixing and using technology properly, you know. So uh, kudos to you. It's a great sounding record. Really awesome. Thank so, you. Yeah, Thanks. everything, the vocals sound great and, you know, just really produce very well. So something to be proud of. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you want to comment on Damage um, about the, you know, the um, the story behind it is it a personal experience damage i'm suspecting it may be it is a personal experience i um, had a feeling <laughs> yeah it's um it's actually a funny story i wrote that song after i had moved from boston to denver and i've been dating someone in boston who didn't want to be together long distance so i moved to denver and i felt angry about it and i felt angry that i felt like this person was um 
you know, trying to try, trying to control the damage of a difficult situation, and that got in the way of like our relationship potential and all this. So I wrote that song, and I was recording it when like he came back into my life, and now we live together in this apartment in LA. So it's all worked out. Um, but that oh, so the same, like so the funny... same person. Yeah. So you guys are person. together from this. <laughs> now we're together again. It was a. It was a saga and there was like a two-year interim in which i was like you know writing angry songs about him that's awesome um, so you now, can hold that up in front of him and say remember what happened last time are you going to pull this right? crap again i'm going to write a right? whole like album about you <laughs> exactly i've got a whole archive i'm like here's the song about when you did this and here's the song about when you did that um but yeah that that song damage control is is one of the chapters of that relationship. <laughs> wow. Wow. Unbel I knew there was some something behind that. Let's do another yeah. one. This one is called The Gun. You took the car, left the dishes on the counter and your drink on the bar. But you skipped this town With my money in your pocket and your windows down Now, oh, I see is how easily you played with me Well, it's on me too Cause I gave you the ammunition to inflict your wound You drank my wine, but I kept pouring Won the game, I let you scoring Filled that tank with dollar bills You're the one holding the gun well, You used me up Took the candles from the table Emptied every cup I guess time was wrong Thinking if I gave my heart You never treat it wrong Cause now all I see Is how carelessly you mess with me well, Put down your gloves it ain't my fault that all I wanted was to give you love You drank my wine, but I kept pouring Won the games, I let you score And you filled that tank with dollar bills I held it to you My blood was spilled by my desire I walked into your line of fire And you took your shot with a bullet that I loaded for you So now what's done is done But you're the one holding the gun Took me in, you drained me out, you tied me in your night. It ain't fair to say I share in all the blame we got. Cause no one asks, no one asks, no one asks to be shot. You drank my wine, but I kept pouring. Won the games I
your shot with a bullet that I loaded for you. Now what's done is done. But you're the one holding the gun. The gun. Yes, great harmonies on that, Isabel. Good song, good song. I'm Thank afraid you. to ask uh, the story behind this one, the gun. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this does this involve your significant other again? And this, was there a threat made, or what, what happened? Here no, this, no, it's not him, <laughs> or, or I wouldn't be here. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think this song is sort of, I don't know, a conglomeration of experiences, mine and like friends of mine, young women that I know, students that I've had. Um, because I think it's a common experience. I think um, being blamed as the victim is a common experience for young women, um, tragically. And I think that song came out of, yeah, sort of like trying to figure that out in one's head. It's easy when someone else tells you that it's your fault to believe that it's your fault. Um, But it's not your fault. And I think... um, always insisting that you know the person who held who held the gun is the, is the person who has done the damage is an important lesson that i've learned but one that we don't always tell young women for sure yeah um in your path um your everyday life you've got two careers going on how are you managing to balance the two? And I guess it's not an easy thing to say balance. I mean, you're doing both things. But like in your mind, when you look out like on the horizon, are you constantly like challenging, challenging yourself to say, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do another tour and, you know, how am I going to put it all together? Um, you know, how is your, your day-to-day thought process yeah. with these two careers going? <laughs> Oh man, it's complicated. And I will, I'm also a, a st- I'm a full-time student right now, which maybe wasn't a great plan. I, oh, full-time. I you couldn't go for just like, like six credits or something. We got to go full-time here. Like you're an which overachiever girl. I could tell. A bad idea. <laughs> and next semester, I'm not going to take a full class load, but um, it honestly, it has been a blessing because we've been in lockdown, so I can't go on tour. So um, I might as well like get some get some credits under my belt and um, and and I I love to go to school I love school I love school I'm a teacher and um, I'm st- I don't know I, I I love things about school and books um, but I also love making music and I think um, it's a tough balance I think what I really find the hardest to balance um, is like. I can get it all done. Theoretically, I can cross all the things off my list in like the span of a work week. But what I can't always preserve when I have a hard time preserving is my like creative headspace and my creative time. And I find and I've spoken with a lot of other artists, particularly like independent artists or folk artists who um, like the industry doesn't value financially. Um, a lot of people are working other jobs. A lot of people are, are juggling um, their music and their and their creative time with like some other other side of side hustle of some sort. And I think um, it's always tough to make sure that we are blocking off time, protecting time 
to be creative and to write and to play and to practice. Um, and I think that's been the toughest thing to balance is um, making sure that I don't let other things I have to do with schoolwork or, or faculty meetings interfere with um, that time, which is really important to me. So when you decided you were going to go back to school full time, um, you must have thought all of, all of this through and said, am I out of my mind? I've already <laughs> got a full plate as it is here. I've got two careers I going know. and I'm going to take this on. But, but like to your credit, you, you're very cerebral. You, love, you seem to love learning and you've got this, this great affinity for um, telling stories and telling him in a way that's completely unique, um, which is which is such a gift. So so I'm saying to myself, why? <laughs> like, why didn't you do this when you were like in your 50s? Like get, get your Grammys and all that stuff, get on the road, you know? It's, it's kind of a crazy thing, but you're doing it, like you said. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you a more poignant question. Um, are you, you're obviously a high achiever, um, have you studied, and if so, who, um, thought leaders? I'm sure you've paid attention mm -hmm. to some of these people out there. And like, what is your modality for putting your schedule together for lack, for being completely simplistic? Like, how do you manage like week to week, day to day saying, all right, I got to schedule all this out. Is there any formal format that you follow to help you in your day to day and your week to week and month to month? Um, that, that's an interesting question and one that's very top of mind right now. Um, I don't think I've done it well this fall. I think I, I got my, the teaching job I have, I got hired quite late, like just a couple weeks before the school year started. Oh, wow. Um, so tough. I was like sort of scrambling to put together my curriculum and yeah. um, as I was starting my, my grad school work and whatever. So, so it, this fall has been sort of a, a just a mishmash of it and I sort of went into it blind and right now as this semester is wrapping up I'm thinking more about um and reading more about like how to how to balance time and how to manage things and with the way that I'm trying to rethink it and um talking with other people about how to rethink it and reading about how people rethink it is instead of breaking my time into tasks I have to do breaking my time into like um moods or like head spaces I want to occupy and I think like I mentioned this a minute ago my creative headspace is very different than my business headspace right when I'm writing a song or my um grad program is a I'm getting a master's in English and an MFA in creative writing in, in fiction which is another type of writing that I do um but that headspace of writing a song or playing music or writing a story um, is very different than like I'm, you know, grading my kids' papers or I'm writing report cards or I'm, um, you know, answering emails that I get. I don't know why everybody gets so many emails. I get so many emails every day and it takes them so much of my time. But that's a very different headspace. And I think um, the way that I was organizing my time this past semester was like, okay, for these two hours, I'm going to grade for these two hours i'm gonna write a story for these two hours i'm gonna um you know do some album promotion or something and the headspace that i need to really write a story or write a song can't be fit in between those more like type a brained business brain things and so 
the way that I'm rethinking my next semester is blocking off bigger chunks of time where like for a full day, I do like business head and I like teach and I like do promotional stuff and I answer my emails. And then the next day is when I like the whole day I get to be in my creative space and I write my stories and I play songs. And um, I think that's how I'm rethinking, balancing all of these things that I probably shouldn't have taken on all at the same time. <laughs> I like the way you phrase it, headspace, because I just, I just experienced this this week mm. where I kind of do what you just described, and I have not only the show, but I have a lot of other things going on. And so I had, I had worked like a slave all week, you know, and I have a huge vision board with all colored pencils and I got yeah. notebooks and legal pads everywhere and every room has guitars in it or whatever. And so I said, great, Saturday, I'm going to be in creative mode all day. And right. I had a technology day from hell with things breaking on the website and a show oh, was, no. was just went out and it was embarrassing because one of the things didn't work and we had to go hunt it down and... I'm on the email back and forth to Malta where some of my VAs are working and we're trying to figure this thing out. So by the time I got everything done, like four hours later, I was so exasperated and so upset right. and so depressed. And it's like, that's not a, a, a loving space for music, you know? Totally. And I just, totally. the whole day, I just was like completely... You know, and I'm like, I'm a really high, I consider myself a high achiever. I, I work tremendously hard on all the things I do, and I just didn't have it. I just didn't right. have it. And it's like, I can't go to music being this upset and depressed and just completely demoralized, you know. Right. I can go out and swing an axe and cut down trees and chop wood. <laughs> that I can do. Right, exactly. And that's it's what like I finding did do. the activity that the energy you have is going to benefit. Yeah. Where like, yeah, if you're like frustrated and tense and like anxious about technology, like oh, it's you just can be like, now I'm going to write my lyrics. Yeah, it's your best friend. It's your worst enemy. And when it doesn't work, right. it's just awful. But, but you're right. It's um, you know, you, you that's a sacred space to me. Like when you're mm -hmm. creating, that can't be, like you have to go to write something or perform on a guitar or a piano or whatever or a voice with um, just feeling really, really great. You know about you know physically you got to feel good and emotionally you got to feel good. Or you're not going to bring out, you're drawing out this special like little spark that just needs oxygen. Right. And if you don't have that, it's it's just a horrible place to start. Um, I want right. to play, I love the title of this next song we're going to play, uh, Tragic Comedy. And <laughs> do you say it like that, Tragic Comedy, or is it tragic? Because yeah. it's all one word. So cool. Yeah, one word. <laughs> tragic Comedy. All right. Um, do you want to set this up and, and tell us the story on this and what is this about? Yeah, I actually, um, I wrote this song in quarantine and I think it was like maybe in the first four weeks or something early on when the world felt really scary. And I think when we are afraid of one thing, in that case, the virus, we become afraid of almost everything. And it, I just felt like the world was really scary. And it was confusing to know, like, what do you do with that? Do, do I just, like, sit and, like, be afraid of, like, this virus and, like, 
politics and like whether or not I can move like just every layer of of something or am I like you know what all right this is what's going on and like I'm gonna let it be like a little bit amusing that all of these forces are hitting at once I think I like went back and forth between those two interactions with the world during that time so tragedy comedy <laughs> Mel Brooks would be proud. Let's play it now. Here it is, tragic comedy. I've been hallucinating, colliding with parked cars, a meteor sailing our afternoon in the backyard. Bombs in the air, alarms and flares become perfunctory. Cause when the world's at war, what's another tragedy? I've been having dreams, running for my life with glee and fluid psychology. It's just the life we lead. The sun still shines in our bloodshot eyes. We laugh as the gas leaks when the world does slapstick. That's just good comedy. I'm learning the sea. Watching harnessed angels meeting gravity Not knowing which mask is meant for me When the world presents tragic comedy Way with us, partisan autopsies. No, ain't that just too much? Our parts weren't meant to be so twisted, but God is on a spree, staging all our flaws from the director's seat. I've painted my cheeks, I'm dancing for the as they bleed How the hell else are we supposed to proceed when the world presents tragic comedy It's most acclaimed tragic comedy love that i love that and you know you're talking about something that you know we're, we're on the same wavelength here because i've been thinking about the same things that you're discussing right now and mm -hmm. and, and that means that many many people are and uh you know about i guess four or five years ago maybe even longer than that i kind of disconnected from politics because um i felt in my mind it doesn't it just wasn't serving like like my day-to-day -day thing is, did I do anything for anybody today? And if I didn't, mm -hmm. I failed. Like, and it doesn't matter. It could be like buying somebody a cup of coffee, a stranger or something, or saying hello to somebody on the street. But um, I felt like a lot of that was, um, 
it just doesn't impact my life and my ability to do something positive for somebody. So I, I want to stay as far away from it and be respectful to people that, you know, are that's their living or whatever they do. And, and that's that's fine, too. But you're you're right. This combination of the pandemic and what's happened to the political landscape is just it's gotten so nasty. And so um it's just like it's tearing, everybody's tearing at each other constantly, you know? So it's like two viruses out there. Right. <laughs> and we're all totally. trying to make sense of this and say, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, I'm really hopeful that by spring, you know, that we start to see the end of this or or at least the beginning of the end of this because it looks like we have to go through a difficult winter, winter of uh, more of this. So uh, mm-hmm. tragic comedy is is something, you know, I tend to, uh, I have a lot of tapes of the Three Stooges, and I'll put one of those on one in a, once in a while and mm-hmm. just say, look at how ridiculous these three grown men sleeping in a bed together. Right. I mean, that's funny, you know, it's like. <laughs> right. And it puts a and smile on And you have to, like, right, you have to, especially when you're one person stuck in a house, and there's not a lot you can do about people's, empower making decisions you don't agree with sometimes you have to laugh you have to be like you know what this is just it's absurd yeah and and the only thing we can try to learn from it is like i don't know care more about people right wear the proverbial mask and reach out instead of like creating these just fires based on like things that are not and it's nonsense yeah yeah, I think if, you know, if everyone adopted, look, just take care of your own little personal space. And that that involves any interactions with that you have with people out there, whether it's family or strangers or somebody that just needs a helping hand to say hello to. Um, you do have an impact that way, um, a rather mm-hmm. profound impact. Um, it's not measured. It's not paid attention to in mass, but it, yet it's very important. You know, and I think if we all did a little bit more of that, we'd we'd be fine, you know, but we're all like constantly, we give too much attention to the damn media, um, which is just the worst thing. I mean, I don't really watch TV, um, you know, news stations and things like that. I just stay miles away from all that and try to try to keep um, a real positive. My great joy in life is what we're doing right now, Mm -hmm. because I'm discovering who you are the artist who is behind this great music that was written and people are going to hear about that. And it's really important that they know your thought process and, uh, you know, and, and why you think the way you do. Why do you think the way you do, Isabel? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's a loaded Eternal question. question. Huh? Yeah. So what, what formed you as far as being an artist and um, you became an artist like rather recently, right? You've got like a couple of records out. Like you, were mm-hmm. you performing out as a young teenager or did you kind of do it a little bit later in life? Um, yeah, it was definitely something I, I came to later. I've always like, I've always sung like, you know, since I was little and no oh, mom and dad, I'm going to put on a show and get the, you know, video camera out. Um, and I sung and, and I took guitar lessons when I was younger and we learned to play like, you know, every Taylor Swift song there was type of thing. Um, and I wrote fiction. I, I wrote in high school and it was my thesis in my undergrad was, was stories, fiction. Um, 
but I never, and I sang, you know, I was in acapella in college and whatever, but I never did the two at once until I moved to Denver and I was like all alone in a new city. It was my first real job. I was just out of school and I picked up my guitar and instead of, you know, playing a song somebody else wrote, I made up my own. And, and I think that um, it just made a lot of sense. So I came yeah. to songwriting really late. I was, well, what was I, 24 or something? That's not um, not really. Which isn't that late, you know. <laughs> but um, but I was writing and, and singing all along, and so I had those sort of, like, creative, you know, things that I did. Um, yeah, I think my family is really formative for me um, in just, like, supporting what I was interested in and supporting um, what I wanted to explore, um, being really good fans. And so I think that, um, has definitely like been part of my formation as an artist, and and I think it, it, part of my formation of of how I see the world. I think my my family um, is made of people who are um, like compassionate and want the world to be better and want the world to be more um, like loving and and connected um, and want things that are bad not not to like be let loose. And so I think that is definitely like, yeah, influence. They've definitely influenced the way that I see the world and also helped support my creative endeavors. Yeah. You remind me of, um, Joni Mitchell in that you don't, I don't think you sound anything like her. I think wow. it's the bravery factor. <laughs> it's like you, you have like a very um, deep conviction about your music. It just, it just, and, and a confidence in what you're saying and what you're revealing. And your voice is great, too. Who were you listening to that um, were influences on you uh, growing up that helped you, you know, formulate? Because you have a very unique sound, which I, I love. It's just the stamp is there. You know, it's like you're, you're undeniably, that's Isabel singing. I can, you know, I can hear, hear you from a mile away. It's one, you're one of those artists. Um, so Thank anybody you. in particular, wow. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's so important. It really is. And some people never find, you know, they look and look and try to figure out who they are. And it takes a very, very long time. Um, a lot of written songs that don't go anywhere. And, you know, that's just part of the deal. You have to write a lot, mm -hmm. to write a lot of bad ones to get to some good right. ones. <laughs> but, um, Definitely. but who were you listening to that had some kind of profound influence on you when you were growing yeah. up? Yeah. I think, um, yeah, there was a lot of music in my house growing up. I'm from Missouri, fondly known as Missouri. Um, so there was a lot of country music. We listened to a lot of country music, and my mom loves country music. And um, so a lot of my growing up was, you know, Sarah Evans, Martina McBride, Trisha Yearwood, The Chicks, like just those like really – powerhouse women yeah. um of country music and my dad is a little more on the rock and roll side a little more on the folk side and so i think those like three genres sort of combine to to form my music taste now which is a lot like i listen to you know the nashville hits and i listen to um classic rock and i listen to like modern indie stuff um and it's sort of sort of a mixture i think um the people that i go back to and that i really like or maybe not go back to but i i, I, lo I like love 
women who are saying what they think. Um, I love the chicks. I think they just like are such bosses. They're just like, (sighs) this is me and I'm going to write who I am. Um, I think they're like, you know how Spotify gives you your most listened to artists at the end of the year. Their new album is definitely mine. Um, And so I think like rather than, yeah, rather than one genre, I, I just am drawn to to women who are writing honest, honest stuff. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, why didn't you tell me? Uh, um, <laughs> we're gonna play. Why didn't you tell me right now? Okay. <laughs> Am I supposed to have bruises on my wrist the next day? Was I being mean when I told him I didn't want to stay? Was it normal for him to up and leave? Well, I'm frozen right here on my knees, Mama. I didn't know. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you Mama, why didn't you say I'd be lying here so scared that I can't scream? I believed you, you told us that it was all about your love But Dad, why didn't you say that all these years you were one of the good ones? I wish I didn't know the hell that this could be Baby, that's why you didn't tell me Was it supposed to take years for me to believe I'm worthy? Was it my fault that I didn't see love ain't supposed to make you feel so dirty? I know it took just a few months for you to see she was the one But Dad, I didn't know Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you? Mama, why didn't you say I'd be lying here so scared that I can't scream? I believe you told us that it was all about your love. But Dad, why didn't you say that all these years of you were one of the good ones? I wish I didn't know the hell this could be. Maybe that's why you didn't tell me. to protect me But if I'd known from the beginning I wouldn't be Trying so hard not to treat myself like they treated me Why didn't you tell me Why didn't you warn me Mama, why didn't you say I'd be lying here so scared that I can't scream I believe to you told us That it was all about your love But Dad, why didn't you say That all these years of you Were one of the good ones I wish I didn't know the hell That this could be 
maybe that's why you didn't tell me I think you told me um, so I, I I think I love that one the most because of uh, the passion in your voice and you know you're talking about honesty and it's you know you're being you know you're being very honest and forthcoming in that song it's just a great song Thank you. so why who was that written about or what was the story behind that why didn't you tell me um, yeah I, th I think it's written to my parents, oh, um, sweet. who are great, wonderful people that I adore and and idolize. They have, uh, they have like this really beautiful marriage, and they, you know, were engaged right after they met, and they're just like best friends. So they say they just have this beautiful, beautiful relationship. And so I grew up um, with this example of love that was really wonderful and lucky um but that's not actually how the whole world is and that's a lesson that i had to learn um on my own that um not every interaction with um love or intimacy is beautiful and um people hurt you and i think as a young woman that's that's not that's like something we keep under wraps and we let young women like figure that out for themselves and we let young men keep doing that. And I think um, a lot of where that song came from or wh like what that song is about is is learning that lesson in my, you know, in my young 20s or late teens or whatever, like, oh, actually people don't always do this right. And we don't tell them not to. And yeah, part of my grappling with that realization was asking my parents, you know, like, could you have given me a warning? And, and I mean, the answer is like, no, right. There's no, there's nothing really we can, we can, there's no way we can totally set people up for that. Um, but. Well, they probably yeah. wanted the best for you, you know, and we're hoping Certainly. for the best yeah. for you, you know, so it's, uh, it's a difficult thing, I think. Exactly. Is, and is, there's no, right. Nobody made the wrong choice. It's like, what you know or don't know, what you experience or don't experience. Um, yeah, yeah. The the old, you know, I I never I forget um, I never forget when my, when I brought my my first son home and uh, you know was looking around and uh, said to his mother, "Where's the instruction manual for this thing? Like, I don't, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with this thing? You know, so right. You know, it's like they, they don't do they don't teach you like well you brought a kid home totally. Now, there's a whole thing in front of you because if anybody knew like what the roadmap looked like would be like, no, I'm not, I'm not in for this. No, I'm, I'm saying, totally. that, I'm saying that kidding, kingly, but, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like that, you know? Um, well, I'm, there's yeah, no right way. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You had, I know you have, you've had experiences that were, were not, um, the nicest, you know, in your life, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, I read some of your blogs and by the way, great job on the blogs too. And your website is killer. Thank really, you. really good website. Thank you. <laughs> um, in, uh, wrapping up, this went really, really quickly. Um, Isabel. So yeah. I'd like you to, um, just in parting, if you would give us the best place, um, and we're going to have all of your links in the show notes, of course, but best place you would like people to connect to you so they can, um, 
learn about you, um, listen to your music, support your music, purchase your music, where should we go to find out all about Isabel Stillman? Um, the best place is probably my Instagram. And okay. um, it can get you to wherever, whatever parts you want to go. And that's where I like update things most frequently. Well, we're now friends on Instagram, which yes. is good. Yes, we are. So, um, <laughs> and and last thing is any parting words that you would like to say either to, you know, young high school kids or your fan base or or anything, any kind of message, any kind of prayer, best wishes, anything at all that you'd like to say before we uh, part ways to our collective audience um, around the world here since we're, in, we're in, even in Iceland and Vietnam. So if you want to say what? anything to the Vietnamese or, or Iceland. And, wow. and by the way, India, I want to just give a shout out to Ghana. We're on the Ghana um, platform. They're like the Spotify cool. of India. And I just mm. saw stats there. They're like, they're really like a lot of downloads. And I was like shocked. And, and I think it's because of the name Dharmic Evolution, they think I'm like one of them. And it's like, they find out I'm a Christian guy and they're like, what happened here? <laughs> How did we get him? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, say whatever you'd like to anybody out there in the world uh, before we say goodbye. Wow, that's a big prompt. Um, thanks for listening. I, I don't know, I just, I'm grateful that people listen and, and wanna connect even from these distances. So thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Isabel, it was a pleasure. I'm so happy uh, Maria introduced us. Me too. Uh, and I got a chance to learn all about you and your music. And I told you about all the exciting things we're doing here on this program. So we won't be strangers for sure. Um, but I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, especially your mom and dad, your music, your career, you. all of your careers and your continuing education. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you in much better times coming up soon. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was so nice. Well, there she is, a high achiever and a wonderful uh, lady to have on the program today. I just really enjoyed that. Hope you guys did as well. Total Poet. And uh, make sure you check out her website, IsabelStillman.com, for all of the content. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage. But meanwhile, let's all remain connected. I was connected. Everybody knew my name. Wise guys and movie stars would line up like cocaine. I was connected. I was the master in God we trust.
Oh